back to the Gentle Catholic Parenting Podcast, where I explore gentle, positive principles of parenting through the lens of our Catholic faith. I'm Kim Cameron Smith, and this is episode 33. Today, we're going to be talking about a very important topic, the dignity of the vocation of motherhood. I am delighted to be joined by a special guest, Dr. Catherine Roms, who is the author of a fantastic new book from Our Sunday Visitor, Motherhood, an Extraordinary Vocation. Catherine is the founder of Mighty Is Her Call, a ministry that elevates Catholic mothers through retreats, a daily blog, and other resources. She is an adjunct professor of philosophy at the University of Dallas. She and her husband, Ron, are raising their six children in Irving, Texas, although they're currently enjoying a several-year stay in Rome. Catherine, welcome. Thank you so much, Kim. Can you uh, share with our audience a little bit about your book? What is the project? What was the problem that you decided to try to address in this book? The problem that I set out to address in this book is the ambivalence that so many women in the 21st century feel when it comes to the vocation of motherhood especially among Christian and Catholic women, we have this ambivalence because we want to prioritize our families. We want to be good mothers. We, want, we are pro-family by, by and large. And yet we have all these opportunities, right? It's the first time in history that women have had the opportunity to excel in education and Uh, job opportunities, to make six figures, to be CEOs of corporations, to start a business, to cut a record, to be a a, a professional artist. Um, There are so many opportunities that we have. And so many 21st century women have a big desire to fulfill their talents and their dreams to make a living for themselves, to be financially independent. And yet they want to be mothers. And often they have this concern that motherhood is going to hold them back, that motherhood is going to be that thing that even though they'll enjoy being a mother, it's going to spoil their dreams and it's going to make them second rate at the other things that they do. So that's the ambivalence that I focused on. That ambivalence was what I really wanted to speak to. And uh, for many women, there will be young women who are thinking through this problem and trying to chart the course of their lives. But for a lot of women who are older or who are veteran moms, the book can be helpful in terms of thinking through the choices that they've made so far and how they want to reflect on the role that motherhood has played in their lives. Mm. Yeah, and it's really important right now. I know that, um, you know, Pope, Pope John Paul II, he called for an exploration of a, of a new feminism. And it's possible that's been explored at a high academic level, but I don't 
think it's really been explored for lay women so that we can conceptualize the real, like for ourselves in everyday life, the true dignity of being a woman, and in particular, um, the dignity in motherhood, whether you're a spiritual mother, a biological mother, or, a, or an adoptive mother. So I feel like your project, it's so important, and it's coming as, at a critical time as, you know, new you know, new opportunities um, opened for women decades ago, but I feel like there's a healthy tension right now in the dialogue in the church and in, 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 in our homes about how women can fulfill their, um, you know, their, their, they can use their gifts um, in the home, in the marketplace, and um, you know, in in church, in the in our parishes, but also, uh, but do so without losing sight of the joy and the dignity uh, in motherhood. And and you really explored this because, um, you know, you 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 expressed a concern that a lot of young women, in particular, think they have a hard choice between being a mother or choosing a career. And you really. Um, spend some time unpacking why that is not true. Can you maybe go into that? You spend a whole chapter talking about why that's not true, why there are other options other than this um, either or uh, viewpoint. Yeah. So I think that it's um, understandable that the first generation of feminist, well, I mean, there are different waves and generations, so, but not to be too technical about it, but I can understand how in the 70s and 80s and say 90s, that feminists had this idea that, uh, you know, do everything you can to prioritize your professional career because it's your big chance. You know, I can, I just psychologically, I can understand how that was the mentality. But there was such a fallout back home, right? There were all these women who were gone and they weren't home and their families were falling apart and this huge increase in the divorce rate. And um, you really have the children of those feminists who are saying, you know, I think we really ought to reappropriate motherhood and parenting and family life. And so there's sort of a pendulum swing, I think, going on. And I think that that's right and healthy. And my particular view is that the human person is out, they are invited to sort of explore their gifts to fulfill God's calling for them. And if you look at, just from a Catholic perspective, if you look at the lives of the saints, there isn't any saint who became a saint by just following a cookie cutter template that was given to them. You know, saints Uh. are saints because they break the mold and do what God called them to do, oftentimes over and against what the expectations around them were. Um, Thomas Aquinas is a great example of that. He just obliterated his family's expectations of him. Margaret Mary Alcock just obliterated her family's expectations of her. You know, saints fulfill God's expectation of them, not the people around them. And I feel like we have to be really careful that we don't impose our views and expectations on other people. So for example, if there's a young woman 
who really does feel called to live, um, work full time in the professional uh, uh, milieu. And I feel like we ought to support her because the world needs her, right? The world needs more women in a position of leadership. That's just my my opinion. I feel like educational systems, businesses, corporations, Wall Street, they, they need a mother's touch. They need a woman's touch. So we should support women who want to uh, be part of the larger uh, professional uh, structure. But on the other hand, there are so many other possibilities. There's the stay-at-home mom, but there's the stay-at-home mom who stays home for just a season of life, right? When their children are younger, but then they go back to work. There's this. There's the stay-at-home mom who works part-time. You know, she might call herself a stay-at-home mom, but she might um, keep a t- do a job that that takes her out of the house several hours a week. Um, and then there's the work from home mom. So there are women who do all sorts of entrepreneurial things. You might open an Etsy shop. You might do any kind of um, work. I work with our ministry. There's uh, a whole team of us and we all work from home, you know, but we're all yeah. think of ourselves as full-time mothers, but we're also full time, you know, part-time uh, or even full-time workers, but from home. So there are just so many different iterations of how this can work. And I think what John Paul II was prophetically inviting us to see is that the church and the world will be enriched if women are not imposing expectations on one another, and if men are not imposing expectations on women, and if we can follow our, our, our calling, you know, and fulfill what God wants each one of us individually yes. to fulfill. And I think we need to not judge each other as we have come up with different uh, portraits of what that looks like. I just have to tell you while you were talking, um, something that really occurred to me is that there's this assumption that before, um, you know, recent decades, women all stayed at home, you know, around the hearth. Mm-hmm. And that somehow it's unusual that women are in the public square. But really, historically, that's not true. Women have always been incredibly important in the economic survival and the thriving of the families. And the thing that's changed is that, uh, you know, this dichotomy between work and home, it's really rather recent. Like prior to the 20th century, it was more common that the whole family, they were in an economic endeavor together. And so children and the mother and the father and extended family, they all tended to work um, alongside one another. And women were incredibly important, um, you know, in those endeavors. And um, exactly right. That is exactly right. It's really sort of a false, strange, new dichotomy that we've created for ourselves. And you also have this new phenomenon of the nuclear family being isolated. Yes. Right. That changes everything because if one person were particularly talented in a certain way and she has six children, she might do that while the whole kibbutz is helping out. You know, they sort of raise their families together. But now that's so hard to do because we usually don't live near our families of origin. So it's just a totally different structure. So we really need to reinvent for ourselves what 
uh, successful motherhood looks like. Yeah, on the other side of that, so I do reject this idea that, you know, women have always, you know, been exclusively um, inside the home and has haven't contributed to the family at all. On the other, on the other hand, I also um, reject the extreme feminist viewpoint, which I grew up with. I graduated from college in 94, and I went to a, a women's college, and it was absolutely the message Mm-hmm. That you have a duty to yourself and to other women to work and to make every to, to break the glass ceiling. And so when I was graduating from law school, I was um, pregnant with my second child and my husband and I had already decided that I would only work part time. Mm-hmm. And this was just not done. And a friend of mine told me privately, oh my goodness, you are living my dream. You're doing what I want to do. And guess what? Mm -hmm. Many women that I was in law school with ended up crafting a life like the ones you're talking about, because Mm -hmm. you're right. We were in the next generation that said, "Uh, I don't, yeah, no, not for me. And so many of us have done many of the permutations that you talk about. I I worked part-time and then I didn't work in law at all. And then I worked as a tutor. And then I've Mm -hmm. always had some creative endeavor that I have found interesting. And we're, and it's so much more possible now, especially after COVID, it is just accepted now that you can have creative work arrangements. It's Um, really true. It's really true. And, you know, so many of us need to do something that is creative or that we find meaningful outside of the home. And I mean, I'm a I'm a mother of six children. I have homeschooled my children for years. I'm totally devoted to my family. I love my children with all my heart and with my life. You know, I give them the first fruit of who I am and my time. And I, I have to have other things that I do. And it's so funny because I grew up, I'm, I've, I, my, my family has grown up basically in a couple of different communities. We've moved a couple of times, but in all of them, there have been homeschooling families, large Catholic families, very devoted Catholic families. And I'm now 50 and it's amazing to me. I don't think I have more than two friends who haven't either gone back to school or tried to start a career or tried to start, no, get a part-time job. But you, you go through these seasons and you go through these cycles. And I tell my own daughters and I tell my sons who may marry women, I encourage the women to get as well-educated as possible and get a trade, get something that you can do. Because even if you become a stay-at-home mom and you do stay home and you love it and you're just thriving at home, the day may come when you just want to get out there and do something. I mean, the one woman who I know is who is the most dedicated stay-at-home mom I've ever met. I mean, she, she is so, she loves home. She just has this beautiful home and she's all the attention to detail and is so good with her children and everything. Well, she just started an apostolate. You know, that's what I mean. You know, it's like, it may not be income bearing, but they're just, it's so common that we want to uh, build a beautiful family, but then contribute beyond the walls of our home. And so it's important, I think, to find that balance. I I agree. And I I think that, um, 
you know, you're, you're right. Because even when I wasn't, um, you know, working for money, I, I've always done something. And I think all women do that. But we discount the mothers that, you know, start an apostolate, but she's not getting paid anything. So she'll, she thinks some, some women, my -hmm. concern is that some women feel that if they are not being paid, they are not valuable. And I do think that some uh, women um, enter the workforce and they're, they're, they push themselves, um, you know, they might be married and have children and they push themselves and it's out of a sense of, it's not coming from a healthy place. It's coming from a sense that they're not enough just in themselves. Mm-hmm. And that if they, if we follow God's lead, we will not be failures. We may not be a success in the, in God's eyes. I mean, in the world's eyes, but we will be a success in God's eyes because, you know, he, he has surprises for us. I have found over and over again, like that initial decision that my husband and I made that I would, I would, I would come home and, you know, we would focus more on our family for our family's well-being. I thought I was making a big sacrifice. No, God showed up for me because I showed up for him. He had many surprises in store for me. And you talk in your book about, you know, crafting your life. My life, because I responded to God's, it was very unusual, the decision I made, but he showed up for me. I've crafted a life that is unique, that is, I, I am flourishing as a woman, and maybe the women that I went um, to law school with who ended up, you know, becoming partners in law firms or whatever, they would think, oh, that poor Kim. <laughs> but mm-hmm. but I don't feel that way. And I feel it's important on the show that you and I together say to young women, don't look at the template that the world gives you. God has a unique template in mind for you, a unique quilt that he wants to create of your life. And it won't look like any other woman's life. I just so agree with that. I can say that both from a theological standpoint, as well as from a philosophical standpoint, I, from a, I'm a philosopher by training and profession. And my one one way that I came upon the dignity of the vocation of motherhood was through philosophy. And that is, um, I was studying personalism, and that is the re- response to the two world wars. And you have philosophers, theologians, psychologists, people of all different um, uh, fields asking this question, like, how could we have let the human civilization just destroy itself like that? Like, how could we have let these world wars happen? Why don't we yet really believe in the dignity of the human person? And so you had all these people from these different fields collaborating, trying to express what is the dignity of the human person and what is it grounded in? And one of the people that was most meaningful to me was a, a, a Jewish writer named um, Victor Frankl. Oh yes, you know him. Uh-huh. Yeah, so he wrote this wonder, this masterpiece called "Man's Search for Meaning," and F- Victor Frankl had been a cap- captive in a um, in a concentration camp, and he recounts in his book that one 
very early morning before sunrise, he and a, a friend of his were being um, pushed by soldiers. Uh, with They were constantly um, poking them with the butts of their rifles, and they were making them do this long march in, in the cold. And Viktor Frankl thought he might die that morning because it was so arduous and so cold. And he just he just didn't even know if he would make it um, that day. And he said that as he was marching along in ex- such um, sort of almost deadly pain, his mind went to his wife and he reflected upon his wife And he said in that moment, he realized that he had loved and he had genuinely loved another person. And that love made him alive and it was his touchstone to his own dignity that even though the Nazi soldiers were treating him with as the least amount of dignity imaginable, he knew that he did have dignity. And in that moment, in his mind, he grounded it in his ability to love and in his having loved another person with all his heart. And that was very captivating to me because I too, Kim, like you, come from a world where there was a lot of pressure to work professionally and make six figures or do something noteworthy. And when I read Viktor Frankl, I thought, they're wrong. Uh, <laughs> that money and, and notoriety are not what give you your dignity. No. Having, lo- loving someone well, that is the basis of human dignity. And a Christian can see that, a Catholic can see that, a Jew can see that. And a lot of people from a lot of different um, ideologies and faith traditions can see that. It's not only a theological claim. And I find that very powerful and persuasive that it's human. It's not just theological, it's human. We have this capacity to love and it gives us such worth and dignity. And maybe it is the ground of our worth and our dignity. And so to choose a life of motherhood to choose to, or to make any portion of our life dedicated to motherhood, like you did, you chose to work part-time and then to give the balance of your time to your children and your family. And that choice, in my view, is is in that brilliant genius moment of saying, I choose love. I choose what matters the most in human life. Yes. And to the world that doesn't make sense sometimes. And so uh, all, all people, all Christians and women, we just need to ask ourselves, am I seeking God in this? Why am I making this choice? And sometimes my choices, even my choices to um, not choose work, to not take an opportunity, have not come from a pure motivation. It's come from fear or um, our our self-doubt. Or um, I might choose to take an opportunity and it doesn't come because I'm responding to God's call to me. It's quite frankly from pride. Because mm-hmm. I want to do that because I think, I don't know, it will look good to somebody. So we all come to these choices with mixed motivations and God can, 
can work with that. But I would just say to any young women listening, just begin with that question. What is God calling me to do? And am I seeking God in this choice? And you even talk about this in one of the chapters, you talk about how life is a series of choices. That's part of, you know, crafting the artwork that will become your life. And quite frankly, sometimes we choose something that is okay, but it is a lesser good to something else that God is calling us to do. And, um, and you talk a lot about how we all have freedom. We do have freedom. We can choose what, you know, whatever we want, but those choices, um, I mean, and that freedom in itself is a gift that we can misuse the gift. And so you really unpack that and talk about how in making those choices, motherhood is a path to great fulfillment, like, like anything else, if you are following God's lead for you, you will find your true self in, in that vocation. Yes, I do. I, I, there's a great uh, Catholic tradition on um, freedom and the freedom of the will. And it's a beautiful tradition that posits a freedom for excellence. Yes. We have the freedom to be excellent. We have the freedom to choose the greatest good. Sure, we can choose a mediocre good or a lesser good, but why not choose the greatest good? Right. And, and it's it's only between you and God to really discern what that highest good is. Now, in the Catholic tradition, the highest good is God. Yes. And, and God's order establishes the, the highest ends. But what we have the ability to do, the freedom to do, is to choose um, the means to that end. And so we can choose this means or that means, different paths to what God says is the greatest good, which is ultimately, as I said, himself. And so if motherhood is an option for you, then the question is, how does God want you to uh, weave motherhood into your life so that it is part of it's is part of the means to that end, which is beatitude. It's ultimately the the highest good is God who makes us happy and being unified with God is beatitude. And so that's our highest end as humans. And we don't have the freedom to change that, but we do have the ability to ask, how am I going to achieve happiness and beatitude? And I think that motherhood is a beautiful, and I think it's a great candidate for how to become happy. It's just a question of how you're called to fulfill it. Some people will not become biological mothers. Some women will not. They will, they, but John Paul II says that all women are called to be mothers in some way, shape, or form. And so perhaps a person is called to spiritual motherhood. Um, nuns and women of various religious um, orders, they can be called to motherhood, um, but in a spiritual way. Uh, some people will be foster mothers, adoptive mothers. It's just beautiful. I mean, the scriptures have so many forms of motherhood and so many women who are not able to conceive or not able to conceive right away. And that's part of God's plan too. And so it's best if we do not 
prejudge what we're expecting and we ask God to weave motherhood into our life in the way that he wants it um, so that we can become, become saints. That's beautiful. You know, and I hope you're beginning a conversation that will continue in our parishes and at the diocesan level. There, there's such a need um, to continue talking about these things. Like I feel that um, we're only getting started. Dr. Catherine Brahms, thank you so much for visiting me today. Can you tell the listeners where they can find you? Sure. Um, You can find me at my website, catherinerahms.com, or you can find me through my um, ministry, Mighty Is Her Call. So that's at mightyishercall.com. And... um, you can also find the book in both of those on both of those websites. Wonderful. Thank you so much. All right, folks, that is it for today. You can find show notes for this podcast at intentionalcatholicparenting.com where you'll find great tips and parenting resources. So check it out. Thank you all. Have a great day. 